Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you so much for joining us today on this audio-only edition of the Intentional Encourager podcast. Sometimes we got to step back a little bit and got to go back to our roots a a tad. But I'm talking to a guy that uh, was podcasting before podcasting was cool, my buddy Dustin Hall. He is a serial entrepreneur. He is a, uh, a man of many talents. And we're going to get into a lot of them. You can find him on LinkedIn at Dustin C. Hall. And, uh, but you can find him right now on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Dustin, how are you doing this morning, man? Hey, I'm doing great, Brian. Thanks for having me today. Hey, I, I have been looking forward to this conversation for a good while. And, and again, I've known you a long time. And uh, I want to start here. You talked about you and I have had discussions privately about podcasting and things like that. And you were very helpful in me getting this podcast launched and things like that. When you think of when you first started podcasting several years ago and getting into radio and things like that, as you've done to see where podcasting is now, what's your initial thoughts of how far this medium has come? You know, I think it's come a long way, Brian, uh, but it's going to go even further. Uh, when I started doing uh, podcasting and uh, online radio, as, as with a lot of the uh, entrepreneurial things I've done in my life, I, I'm always too early to the game, too early to the party, uh, which, you know, with entrepreneurship, it's, it's all about timing. Yep. And, uh, you know, you're, you're either late, you're either early, and uh, I seem to be early on a lot of things. I started podcasting back in, uh, gosh, it would have been around uh, 2007. Uh, 2008, and uh, we were doing online radio at that point, and uh, you know, I had I had no idea what podcasting would be like. You know, in hindsight, had I stuck with it, you know, you look at the big podcasters of the day right now. There are people that have consistently done it, you know, for for ten plus years. They have a following. They've built businesses out of it, and I think a lot of it uh, comes down to content and just being consistent. You know. Uh, that's uh, that's where the keys to a good podcast. Our podcast was great, but you know it, it's uh, uh, timing. We were too early, and then there was uh, I had two other guys on it with me, and uh, you know life happens. And when life mm-hmm. happens, uh, you know sometimes uh, uh, sometimes a podcast uh, that wasn't uh, wasn't revenue generating, uh, you know takes a back seat. And uh, and I've had other podcasts throughout the years, and uh, I'm uh, really big on helping people. You know we. Um, uh, the last podcast that uh, that I had done was uh, we ended that about uh, about a year ago, and uh, you know some of the guests that we had on there. I want to say that uh, that your number four or five of the guests that we had on our podcast that now have shows of their own, and uh, all of them had reached out to me at some point to be like, "Hey, how do we do this?" <laughs> so well, it's an and- awesome medium. Yeah, and and you know the thing of it is, I always I was always more of a live radio guy. Obviously, from my time filling in on the Tom Roten Morning Show and doing some other things like that, I was more of a live radio guy and just kind of felt like things were better live. 
But, you know, the, the, the neat thing about this is, Dustin, is that when a person listens to a podcast for the first time, that simulates the live radio experience for the listener because, you know, again, it's, it's new to them. It may be a month since you recorded the podcast, but, man, it's brand new to them. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'll tell you, Brian, it's, it's growing. And it's still nowhere where it's, where it's going to, to end up. And I think that's why you see things like iHeartRadio um, and, uh, and some of these other uh, mediums like your uh, Pandora and things like that now have I, uh, iTunes, or not iTunes section, I'm sorry, podcast sections because they see it. They see where the future is going because people like to consume and they like to consume uh, audio because it's a lot more flexible than, you know, carrying a book. Uh, you know, carrying a radio or a boom box, like from back in our days, it's a lot more convenient now to just consume that, uh, that audio wherever you are. And, uh, and now's the time where people are starting to cash in on it, like the big, the big companies. Well, and, and, and again, I just saw recently where um, Sirius XM bought Stitcher for like $300 million and Stitcher was doing a lot with podcasts and, um, you know, Joe Rogan just just went somewhere, and and he's he's obviously just crushing it from a podcast perspective. And and Dustin, what I love about the podcast medium is 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 you can have really intimate conversations with really cool people, and you're not constrained by the bounds of time. Right. Absolutely. You know, and people don't understand about live radio is is there's really, depending on the format and the station and things like that, you have in an hour's worth of programming, really between commercial breaks, about anywhere on the absolutely perfect end, about 42 minutes of talk time, uh, or, or if there's a lot of ads that are being sold, about 35 minutes of actual talk time. And so you know, in podcasting, you can really get into a lot of different conversations. When you think back to doing online radio in 2008, what's the biggest change that you've seen now between now and then? Because content is content. Con good content in 08 is still good content in 2020. It's like a, it's like, you know, it's like a great album. It, it, right. it still plays well. You know, that people, you know, a lot of vinyls coming back from the 60s and 70s. And if it's great music, it plays well, just as well in 2020 as it did in 1975. Right. Content is content. So what's the biggest thing that you've seen from doing online radio in 2008 to where we are in 2020? You know, I think uh, the biggest difference is, it, is looking at the barrier to entry. You know, when, uh, when we got into it in 2008, there weren't companies like uh, you hear like, you know, Podbean or Cast or these different types of things that really helped the barrier to entry uh, almost disappear. You know, I had to do I, I had to do hand coding and, you know, have RSS feeds that uh, would allow us to get into, uh, um, you know, iTunes at that time. Uh, and, and it was it was a whole different ballgame. Like you needed to, to do some serious studying on how to get your stuff onto uh, you know, onto a website. And, mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of places at that time, that's what they were doing. And that's what we would do. You know, we would record, uh, we would record live uh, for our uh, streaming radio station, 
but uh, then we take it and uh, and upload it after the fact and uh, that buried entry is, is gone now you know anybody you can wake up on a monday and uh, decide that you want to want to have a podcast and get all the equipment and uh, you know get a couple of memberships online and you can be up and running by the end of the week maybe even within uh, you know 24 hours yeah so so that buried entry is gone i remember when i first started mulling over it i mean having an internet radio station in general first that took a lot of a lot of oomph, but, uh, uh, you know, then doing the podcast part of it, it was just, you know, countless hours of studying. How are people doing it? How, how's it done? Um, and myself, I, you know, I'm a fiduciary guy. I love, uh, you know, my wife would call me cheap, but you know, I, 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 I like to say I watch my, watch my money. And Fugle, so I was, my man. right, right, exactly. And uh, so I would just try and find options that, okay, what's the, what's the, the most inexpensive way that I can do this? Because there was people out there that were charging, you know, thousands, thousands and thousands of dollars. And again, business opportunity lost for me there because uh, had, I, had I seen where that trend was going, I had put all that work in that I probably could have parlayed that into, uh, in, into something else. But, uh, you know, I think that the barrier to entry is the biggest thing, you know, and it's the same thing with business. The, the internet is, is the great equalizer. You know, mm -hmm. you have the opportunity to be successful. If you have a product or if you have content that wins, you have the opportunity to do it because of the internet. It is the great equalizer. And, and I'll say this, I'll say this, that, you know, when you think about it, and I, I don't want to transition here for just a minute to your business background, because Again, as I mentioned just a moment ago, you fancy yourself as a serial entrepreneur. You're always, I mean, I'm, like I said, I've known you for 11 years and you, you've always got your hand in something. When did that first begin to foster in you? Was that something you've always had since you were a kid or, or is that something that as a teenager kind of developed in you? Where did that just constantly searching and looking for ways to to be creative come from you know i think it i think it comes from uh from when i was a kid you know my parents instilled a really good work ethic in me and uh, you know i i joke about it with my wife sometimes because you know my son he's two years old right now and i keep talking about him like yeah you know in 10 years you know hook him up with a you know some sort of job and my wife's like that people don't have jobs at 12 like and i'm like i had a job at 12 what why wouldn't he have a job? At yeah. And uh, so, I mean, from very early on, my parents had, had a good work ethic in me. And, you know, I started, had like my own lawn mowing business when I was 12. And, uh, and then I was in Boy Scouts and in Boy Scouts, every month you're hustling something, you know, it could be candy bars, it could be popcorn or whatever to, uh, uh, to pay for camping trips and things like that. So, I mean, I hustled that, you know, and my parents, again, you know, instilling good values in me, you know, some of my buddies, their parents would just take the sign-up sheet to work, mm -hmm. right? And, um, and, and they'd sell out all their stuff. Well, my parents were like, no, we're not doing that. You know, we're not, we're not taking that to work with us. You know, so I, I was hustling like door to door to door. I knew which, which of the neighbors liked certain stuff. So, you know, when I'd knock on their door, if I knew that they bought consistently chocolate stuff from me in the past, I was uh, making sure that if I was selling popcorn that month, I was rolling up and saying, Hey, you know, we've got chocolate, this chocolate popcorn. And, um, uh, you know, it's just, uh, 
I think it's that, that lifetime hustle. And, uh, uh I think, uh, you know, the money aspect, uh, you can always, you can always chase money. Uh, but, uh, for me, it was more the challenge, uh, and, uh, the challenge of success. Um, so it, it's always, always been there. You know, I think, um, you know, I have two passions in life. One, one's higher education, uh, and the other one's, uh, entrepreneurship. And I think I've, uh, you know, owned or co-owned businesses since, uh, you know, legally since I was probably 18. Wow. Wow. When you think back about that, what was the biggest lesson that you learned besides work ethic? What was the biggest lesson that you learned growing up and having to, as you say, hustle and, and kind of figure some things out that you still, you learned that lesson early in life and it still serves you to this day? I think the biggest lesson was no one's going to help you except yourself. Yeah. And, and I think that's a huge, uh, a huge thing for me now. And, uh, you know, I talk to, I, I talk to people uh, on a regular basis and, and they talk about, you know, life lessons. And that's one of the biggest ones, ones that I got is the fact that if you want something in life, it's up to you to do it. You know, that reminds me of a quote that I heard, uh, uh, there's a sports talk show host named Clay Travis and, and, and Clay Travis says, and, and, and he said this quote one time, I'm like, man, I've never heard it, but it's brilliant. He says that he tells his three boys, the hand that you can always depend on is the one at the end of your sleeve. Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And yeah. Uh, you just, I, I just, I had to throw that in there, Dustin, because it fits right with what you were talking about, about depending on yourself. When you think about you, you go in and, and you're, you're 18 when you own your, you legally own your first business, what were some things that, that if you could go back now at, you know, I, I know 41. how old you are. I know how <laughs> old you are. Yeah, 41. What would you go back and tell 18-year-old Dustin if you could go back and, and put your arm around him and, and, and drop some wisdom in his, in his lap? Uh, when it comes to business? Yeah, when it comes to business. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I should have said, DH, I should have said that, man. When it comes <laughs> to business. Uh, yeah, because I mean, personal, I'd, I'd probably give them different advice too. But I, I think the big thing would be to, uh, you know, steady the course. You know, when you're, when you're 18, the, the idea of owning your business, owning your own business is different than, you know, when you're, you're 30, it's different when you're 40. And I think, you know, at that time, uh, the first business I had, it was uh, one of my buddies from, from college. And uh, let's see, that would have been 97, 98. Well, at that point, the internet was in its infancy. And, uh, uh, you know, I was going to school for uh, uh, computer information systems. And I had a, had a knack on uh, building websites. And that's what we got into. You know, we were like, hey, we could make some serious cash on, on building websites. And we did that for about three years. Uh, and, uh, and then uh, we ended up, uh, you know, again, life takes us in different directions. We were graduating from college and nobody kind of wanted to stick with it anymore. Uh, you know, one of our, uh, we had an opportunity to partner with another company that uh, was into this new thing called geographical information systems, which was the precursor to GPS. Because at that time, you know, we thought that was a wild idea. Mm -hmm. That, you know, oh, you can connect something to a satellite and it tells you where you're at. And um, that was the last project that we worked on before, uh, uh, before we sort of packed it in. 
but I think uh, the best advice would be like to, you know, study the course, continue to move forward uh, because that's one of those things where, you know, we weren't, I don't know if we were too early, but we were too young to understand, to understand business. And uh, we could have, you know, we could have been really successful with that, you know, GPS and satellite, you know, global positioning became huge. Do you ever wonder, do you ever, do you ever have any regret about the things you didn't do or, or have you just kind of said, um, I don't have to live with it because I think a lot of people, Dustin, the reason I asked that question is I think there are a lot of people that have missed the boat on something and we all have missed the boat on something, right? We've all missed right. something that we were supposed to do. And instead of moving on and having the, a, a good life and, and being content with what you have and where you're at and what God's blessed you with. A lot of people just seem to park there on that regret and they never move past it for you. How were you able to always move past the things that you missed? I think that sometimes you have the, uh, you know, you have the regret in business and life on certain things, but you can't let it consume you. It's a, you're, you're allowed, you're allowed to have, have a little bit of time. If something doesn't work, if something, uh, you know, if, if something's a learning opportunity for you, cause it's not a failure if you learn something out of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're allowed to have a little bit of time, but you can't, you can't park there. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know who said it, but they said, there's a reason that when you're driving, the windshield is wide open and the rear view mirror is so small. Oh, you man. Know? Because so what's, good. Yeah, because what's behind you doesn't matter anymore. You can't go back and change it. All you can do is, is change from, from that point forward. And, um, and that's how I looked at it with a lot of things. You know, I, I, I've made a lot of decisions, and sometimes I, I reflect on it where you know, it's a lot like that butterfly effect where, you know, every small decision you make in your life impacts it somewhere down the line. And, uh, uh, you know, at those, at those certain times, there's times in my life where I'm like, you know, had something been successful, would have I been in a place in my own life to handle it? Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's where, you know, when we look at, uh, you know, God is never going to give us more than we can handle. And, and I think sometimes that that's how it was for me, where, you know, had had things blown up, I probably wasn't at a place in, in my personal space where, where it would have been successful, or it could have been a bigger, you know, a, a bigger failure. Um, but you also have to look at, you learn from it, right? And when you learn from it, you can help others. And as I've grown, I've always, I've always had the, the heart of, a, you know, heart of a servant and a heart mm -hmm. of leadership because I love helping people. And that's, that's what I enjoy mostly. And, um, and the older I've gotten, the more that it's just ingrained in me and helping other people because, you know, if they can learn from your story or say, hey, you know, I've been there. I know it sucks, right? You know, I've made, I've made decisions like Dave Ramsey says with zeros on the end. Yeah, I've made, I've made those mm -hmm. mistakes, but you can't, you can't park there because we're, we're only given this one shot. And uh, if you, uh, you know, spend too much time on, on regret, you really miss out on what's in that, uh, in that open, open windshield. Yeah, because a lot of people, Dustin, can't get past what they've never been able to get past. They still can't get past it. And, and you know, and, and now, and, and that's why I, I guess I talk about social media and things like that. It's because to some degree, 
people that live on social media, you know, if you fail and, and then you have a social media presence, it's like those people that, and we've seen celebrities fail and we've seen people that have high profiles fail. And it's like the world is becoming so much more unforgiving in, in those mistakes that it, it drives some people either. And I, and I don't want to, I'm not trying to take the conversation in a dark place, but what yeah. goes through my mind is, you know, there have been people that have committed suicide because they just couldn't handle the regret of failure. And for you, man, what I love about you and knowing you as long as I've known you is you are able to really well put something in the rear view mirror. Like it's over, it's done. Uh, did you have to develop that skill or is that something that always has come naturally to you? I think it's more of a development and I think it's development for most people. You know, it's, it's hard when you have, have certain, certain things that you fall short in, in life. And, um, I think it just develops over time. You get a, you get a thicker skin, mm -hmm. right? I, you know, and there's even times where I have to check myself because, you know, I, I'm that older guy now where I, I um, you know, I'm a little bit cynical about certain things and yeah. I never had that, you know, it was, uh, my eyes were wide open as I was an 18 year old kid. And, you know, uh, I had so much opportunity and I think that, that everybody still has that opportunity no matter what age you're at, but I think you're able to fine tune it that, you know, if something doesn't work out, you're able to recover from it a little bit faster mm -hmm. uh, to, to sort of move on. And so I think it's definitely a development thing. And I also find that for me, one of the, the biggest things that has helped me, and again, it goes back to, you know, having the heart of a, a servant to other people is gratitude. Mm -hmm. so, somebody asked me the other day, they said, you know, what's, uh, they were like, you're always positive. Like, you know, you, you, you always exude this positivity. And uh, they said, is that how you are all the time? And I'm like, well, no, every, everybody's going to have times where they're down on themselves. I said, but to bring yourself out, man, you just show, you show sincere gratitude to two or three people, man, you're feeling, you're feeling better yourself. Yeah. So true, man. So true. And by the way, I have teased you unmercifully about becoming a first time father at 39, Abraham. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> yeah. I thought, I thought my wife and I were old the first time we had a child. I was 28 and she was 30. My boy beat me by 11 years to, to be a first time father. So, yeah. And that, and I'll tell you, that's something different too, man. You know, there's a, uh, there's something different. I mean, he wears me out constantly. <laughs> uh, but you know, that, that's because I, I waited so long, but I also tell you that it was a real blessing, uh, for me because I sort of like business and things like that it was the perfect time for me. The same thing when I got married, I got married much later in life, you know, for the first and only time uh, than most, most of my friends did. And, and that was a blessing because that was the right time for me. Had it, you know, been earlier in my life, uh, you know, it might not have worked out as well as it, as well as it is. When you think about, you know, and you mentioned doing online radio in 08 and you've done quite a few things since I've known you, you've, mm -hmm. you've undertaken business opp opportunities and things like that. You talk about the timing of starting. Have you ever been late in quitting a business? 
and, and what's that like? Because, and, and again, I don't want to discourage anybody, but there's just some times when you start a venture and, and it, it just, it, it's a struggle from day one and you ride it as long as you can until the point it's like, this is, this just isn't going to, whether it's timing, like you mentioned, being too early, too late, what, what, what have you, but have you, have you ever thought, have you ever taken a business longer than you should have and gone, man, I should have quit this six months ago? Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, I think most uh, people that are uh, serial entrepreneurs and, and probably even, you know, Thomas Edison, who was a, a serial entrepreneur as well. I think we all take it, take some too long. And, uh, um, and that, that I think uh, ties into our ego is why we, why we hang on to stuff uh, too long. I, I'm thinking back to a couple different uh, business ideas that I had that, that I ran with. And I'm like, man, man, why did, why did I do that? You know, now looking back, I'm like, God, that, you know, that was, that's a, a ridiculous idea. That didn't play. I didn't, I didn't test it in the market. I didn't do that. And then I held on to it too long. I think what, and it, again, it goes back to the ego. The nice thing is, is the more that you do it, and, you know, going back to that Thomas Edison thing, you know, he, he did like, I think it was 400 businesses or something like that before, you know, his stuff started taking off. Mm -hmm. um, is ego in business, the more that you failed at it, the less ego you have in the game when you get one that's successful. Because when you open your first business and you tell people, hey, I'm going to go ahead and start a business. I'm going to be, you know, make these awesome widgets. And at that point, they're really excited. They're like, oh my gosh, you know, that's great. You're an entrepreneur and, and how cool, you know, I know somebody that owns their own business. By the time you tell them about the fifth or sixth one, they're like, oh, this guy, when, when, when's he just going to get a job in, in somebody else's factory and, and yeah. be done with it? And so your ego by that point, you know, in the first one, I think you, you might have a little bit of that, I want to impress other people and, and so forth. But by the time you get to that fifth, sixth, 10th, 12th, um, and, and you failed at the other ones, the ego isn't in, in it. You tell them, you're like, hey, yeah, you know, I'm starting a new venture. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. But you don't care. You don't have a care if they, if they approve or, or disapprove because, you know, anymore, like I said, your ego's out of it. Uh, so I think that's something when it comes to uh, the older you get with it and the more that you do it, because you'll eventually be successful uh, in, in, in something that, that you're going to do. It's just, you know, finding, you know, where your talents and, and the market meet at that particular time. Uh, but uh, when you get to that point, man, it's, uh, it's going to be awesome, you know, and the, without the ego in there, you know, it, it really has a lot of room for success. For you, for you, was it, idea or execution that when you look back and you say this didn't work or this because I think it's good Dustin at times to be to be retrospective as well as introspective and say okay if I look back at why this wasn't successful then I can say okay it was idea sometimes you know and sometimes to your point you made just a minute ago and I loved what you said there a lot of times it's not the right idea. It wasn't tested. It wasn't, you, you just had the idea and ran with it. Sometimes it's execution. 
Sometimes it's market. You know, there, it, it can be any number of factors. And I, I don't want to park on the failure of business, but I think it's important because there may be somebody out there that's listening to our conversation that goes, man, I am just struggling because I, I am passionate and purposeful about what I'm intentional about doing. It's just not happening. And I know I've got to pull the trigger at some point because it's killing me emotionally, spiritually, financially. Right. When, when you look back more times than not the things that, that failed, was it idea or was it execution or was it something else there that just kind of rose to the surface that wasn't discovered when you launched? I think it's a mixture of all of it. You know, sometimes an idea that you have just isn't, and especially if you don't test it, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's, that's one of the things I've learned that's so important is you got to test, test your ideas. Cause you could, you could have a, one that you think's great, but if 50, 50 people don't think it's great, or there's not a, a, a place for it in the market, you know, that that's, you know, a big, a big loss for you and an execution on how you do it. Um, you know, Dave Ramsey always says uh, the only shift that doesn't float is a partnership. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, if you don't, if, if you are going to go into partnership and I've had several of them, I'm in one right now. Uh, if you do it, you know, make, making sure that everybody knows what their role is and what they're going to, uh, you know, what, what they're supposed to bring to the table. Because I've had, uh, you know, I've had business in the past where I had a partner that thought it was a great idea, but at the end of the day, I was the one that was putting in two to three times the work. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that was uh, something and and again, you know, personal, you know, my, my twenties, uh, my, my twenties were, were just a crazy time. Uh, and, uh, uh, and I think that, you know, because of some of my decisions and my extracurriculars in my twenties, I think, uh, you know, that made it a lot harder for any of my stuff to be successful because, you know, admittedly, I wasn't, uh, I, w I wasn't an overly dependable person at that time. And, uh, you know, as I'm sort of, you know, looking in retrospect, I wasn't a, a dependable person. I'm sure I let, let people down and, uh, and let them down in business. And, and that's way, you know, that's not a way to run, run business. So I think it was a mixture of all three. And you know something, I, I want to park there what you just said. I think that's a great quote from Dave Ramsey. And I've got the Entree Leadership book on, on my bookshelf. And it's a, it's a great playbook for business, for business people. Um, and, and Ramsey, I, I'll share this in the book. Ramsey talks about he would teach people for years to have an emergency fund. And then his company went to make a, wanted to make a big financial decision. And his wife sits on the board and they were like, what are we going to do? How are we going to do it? And his wife goes, does your company not have an emergency fund? Yeah. And she goes, you have taught this stuff for years about telling people they have to have an emergency fund. How stupid are you that you don't have an emergency fund for your company? And Ramsey was like, man, how did we miss that? You know, and so, and, and, and Dustin, sometimes musical acts, and I was thinking about that as you were talking about partnerships. Sometimes guys are just built to be solo artists. There are some guys that don't work in a group setting. Yeah. And then there are some guys, you know, I could not imagine Mick Jagger with anybody else but the Rolling Stones. It's hard to imagine Aerosmith without Steven Tyler. 
you know, I, and I'm just throwing those out there. And I listen to, to gospel groups, and there's a lot of changes that go on. But there are certain guys that and gals that fit certain groups, and there are just some that are built to be soloists. And there's nothing wrong with that. And, 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 and to your point, I think if you are going to go into business, figure out if you can be a partner with somebody because, to your point, you know, you're not all, it's not always going to be handshakes and hugs, man. There's going to have some, you're going to have some difficult conversations. Right. You like that handshakes and hugs? I do. I thought that was good. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of drop that in there. Hey, Dustin, I want to pivot here for just a minute. Um, I want you to take us through the biggest obstacle that you've overcome in, in business or your life or, things like that, as comfortable as you want to get into, because one thing, and, and you've listened to the podcast and it, that you know, is that there may be some folks, and especially in the middle of this pandemic, in the middle of, of COVID-19, as we record this, this podcast, people have been challenged in ways that, that they've never been challenged before. And, and there might be somebody that's listening to this that, that, that has a similar connecting obstacle that they're going through um man share an obstacle that you have gone through personally or professionally um and how you overcame it i think brian the the biggest obstacle for me in life was me and uh and what i mean by that is you know i i look back at, at where i've been and and uh you know, I'd say, you know, I mentioned earlier, my, my 20s were, it, it was just a blur. You know, I had, a, I grew up in a great, I guess to go a little further back, I grew up in a great family. You know, mom and dad, they've been, you know, still living, they've been married over 50 years, uh, had a great childhood, good work ethic, but I always felt like I, I didn't do a lot of stuff for myself. I felt like I was always working to impress other people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I don't know if that's something, some weird thing that's like a re repressed from my childhood or whatnot. But, you know, when I got to college, um, you know, I went uh, six hours away from where I grew up and, uh, and I was able to, to basically, you know, reinvent myself. But what reinventing myself meant is, you know, I, I became a mediocre student. I drank way too much. Uh, you know, I was doing, a, a doing hard drugs and, and stuff like that. And, and that lasted really through, through all my 20s. And I look at, you know, personal relationships that, that were damaged because of that business relationships and even professional, you know, because I've always had a, a professional job and a professional career. And I look at it even, you know, during that time period, you know, where my professional career could be at this point if I hadn't, uh, you know, damaged some stuff in, in that time. And the obstacle wasn't, wasn't alcohol, it wasn't drugs, it wasn't people. The obstacle was me, mm -hmm. you know, and I, and I had to get over myself where I was, you know, trying to impress other people and, you know, sort of like the, the keeping up with the Joneses when I woke up one day in, in my early thirties and I was just done with it. Mm -hmm. It's like, God, I, you know, I looked at the last 10 years and I legitimately had nothing to show for it. And, uh, and as I mentioned, I, I think that's why, you know, God uh, sort of came in at, at that point in my 30s and, and you know, and found me a, a great woman that, uh, you know, became my wife. Because if I had met her earlier, we would have never worked out. Mm -hmm. um, 
and uh, and I think it's the same reason that I was uh, blessed with a son when I did because you know it was the point in my life where now now I was ready for that um, and uh, so the biggest obstacle is you know don't uh, you're always going to be your worst critic and you're always going to want to try and impress other people but at the end of the day all you have to do is it you know you know, don't stumble over your own feet, you mm-hmm. know, do something that you're passionate about, do something that, that makes the world a better place for other people, uh, you know, go out and, uh, you know, understand other people's point of views. You know, I think an obstacle and, and to sort of pivot a little bit from that, I think an obstacle that we're dealing with right now. And, uh, you know, I sort of mentioned this to my wife the other night was, uh, you know, when I look at social media, which, you know, that's probably not healthy as it is, but when I look at social media, there's so much divisiveness, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's either black or white. And I, I, I mean like, you know, yes or no. Yeah. And, um, it, it didn't used to be that way. And that's one of the concerns that I have for my son, because I'm like, man, you know, I remember when, if I disagreed with one of my buddies, we'd hash down over a couple beers and, you know, at the end of it, he'd be like, well, you know, I don't agree, but I, I see where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. And that was it. But I mean, we're in this world now where again, it's, you know, I think people are, are, uh, their obstacles themselves because they're so passionate, which I love the passion, but they're not allowing themselves to open up and see other views. It doesn't mean they have to agree with the other view, but, you know, just trying to understand it. Mm-hmm. And it's never too late to change. You know, there's some things that during this quarantine and during all the things that are going on uh, in our nation right now, there's certain things that, you know, I, in my own life that I've changed my views on. Mm-hmm. And it's because I listened to other people, you know, I did research and things like that. And I was like, you know what, this has been my view for 20 years, but I think I'm, I think I'm ready to change. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that's a big obstacle for people right now. It's still the same thing as me, you know, 20 years ago you're your own worst enemy. So, well, and, and you can, that's the thing is, is that, and I, and I, I, I said, I've said this before and, and you and I've had these conversations that, you know, that's the reason that this podcast lives in its, in its current state is because there's so much expertise and there's so much of you should do this and you should do that and you should do something else and look at me and I'm right, even though my world's falling apart, I'm going to tell you what to do. And I looked around, Dustin, and I, I, I saw a dearth of encouragement. I saw a big-time dearth of encouragement. And I said, I, yeah. I, think I, can, I think I can change this. I think I can fix this. And I think at my core, I've always been an encourager. Absolutely. You know, but it's now just finally getting intentional with it, not to play on words, but just to to just now just say, okay, I need to change my view and go all in and double down to some degree on intentional encouragement. And I loved what you said there about us being our own obstacle. Mm-hmm. But now, Dustin, I want you to to give – the folks your biggest piece of intentional encouragement because i know you well enough to know that you are an encourager at your core man so absolutely um share share with everybody your biggest piece of intentional encouragement yeah i've I've actually got two for you 
So something that I've had for, for many years and, uh, you know, I, I uh, did a, a spot with you probably, I don't know, eight, nine years ago uh, when you were uh, uh, on the morning show. Yep. And it was the same piece of advice. And I call it the DBD week. And it's dream it, believe it, do it, and win it. And when you win it, crush it. Yep. Yeah. We have that ability. And then the second piece is uh, anybody that's ever watched uh, Jerry Maguire, there's a guy on there, the fictitious uh, um, agent, his name is Dickie Fox. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, what he says at the very end of the film is something that, that I live day in and day out. And he said at the end of the film, he goes, I don't have all the answers in life. You know, in life, to be honest, I failed as much as I've succeeded. But I love my wife. I love my life. And I wish you my kind of success. Mm. That's awesome, dude. That's awesome. That wow. What what a powerful quote. What Absolutely. a power. I thought you were gonna say show me the money. <laughs> I mean, that's a good one too, but everybody remembers, you know, show me the money. Hey, I well, and I'll tell you what's so funny is, you know, the Dickie Fox character, he was uh, uh he wasn't in it much, but I think he had the most powerful stuff in that in that movie, especially from like a, a sales and motivational standpoint. Because he used to, you know, something else he'd do. He's like, you know, look at look in the mirror, clap your hands. He's like, I've got this. You know, it's that yep. self, uh, you know, that self motivation. So, Dustin, you and I were on a trip to Vegas eleven years ago, and I know you remember this trip. We yeah. we we went to Las Vegas. The company that we were with took us all, and and I'll share this story real quick because it's it's a, a great story. Um, we were all told about a month beforehand, we all got called by our boss and said, hey, clear your calendars for this weekend because we're all going to Vegas. Like this week coming up, and it was around Veterans Day. Yeah, and like, I don't even think it was a month notice. Yeah, clear your calendars because we're going to Vegas. I'm right. Like, all right. Yeah, what, yeah, awesome. And so we get out there, we do this training session, and, and, and I'm just, I'm all in with what you're talking about. And I go up to my, to our boss and I, I'm like four months with the company, maybe four months with the company. And I walked up to Brian and Brian's been on the podcast as well. And I said, uh, he said something to me and I, I looked at him and said, I want the ball. Yeah. And it's a line from the replacements. Yep. It's my favorite line from the movie replacements. And it uh, at the at the beginning of the movie, Shane Falco, who's played by Keanu Reeves, who's yep. the replacement quarterback, in the big moment, he hands the ball off, and, and the coach said, "Winners always want the ball." In big moments, winners always want the ball. Yep. And so the end of the movie, you fast forward to the end of the movie, and it's a big scene, and it's a, it's a big play. And, he, and Falco comes to the sidelines, and Jimmy McGinty, who's the coach, played by Gene Hackman, says, what's it going to be, Falco? And Falco looks at him and says, I want the ball. Yep. And McGinty says, winners always do. Yeah. And, and so that's the first time I dropped that on our, good on our good buddy Brian. And I think I may have used it with you and some other guys out there, like, hey, yeah, give, give your boy the ball here. Yeah, so, for sure. You know. Uh, but we, and we've had some laughs about that over the years ever since, but, uh, I love 
that quote that you just dropped from Jerry Maguire. I love my life. I love my wife. Sharing my, I, I wish you the same success. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, so I can give it to you again. It's yeah. I don't have all the answers in life. To be honest, I've failed as much as I've succeeded, but I love my wife. I love my life. And I wish you my kind of success. Mm. Man, that is so powerful. What a, what a perfect way to end this conversation today. Dustin Hall, by the way, tell folks where they can find you there on, on social media if they want to get connected with you and, and uh, uh, find out a little bit more about you and what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. LinkedIn. LinkedIn's probably the best. I think you gave that, uh, gave that there at the beginning, uh, uh, Dustin C. Hall. Um, I'm uh, definitely open to conversation. You know, I, uh, I get hit up on LinkedIn uh, quite a bit to uh, just uh, meet new people and, uh, you know, talk about what's going on in their life and uh, always, always willing to have those conversations. So uh, hit me up there. DH, you're the best, man. I appreciate you being a part of the Intentional Encourager podcast. Thank you for your time. Absolutely, Brian. This has been fantastic. I appreciate you, brother. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Meads. And the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ who provides intentional encouragement every day of his world. And until next time, remember, everyone, everywhere, at any time, and any place can be an intentional.